Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the Author Incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey, everybody. We are back at Book Journeys. We were uh, on a little break last week, but it is so nice to have everyone back. And this week, I am really excited to talk to you. Really, I think what this show is going to be about for you is so much about how we think we have one book inside us. And in many cases, there are three or four or five books, and part of your book journey that I think a lot of people dismiss the importance of is really identifying one book that you're writing right now and knowing that, you know, you can write other books. It's all right. Um, what I always say is books are kind of like tattoos. People, people who have tattoos tend not to have one, and people who have books tend not to have one. Um, but what happens, especially when we've had a big event in our lives, or even if you're just a creative person in general, is that you have so many ideas, and a lot of times you think it's one book, and it's really like clouded in your head, and you're trying to write, and you write a piece of it, and you write another piece of it, and it's just not coming together, and often that's because you haven't figured out before you start writing what your book actually is. So um, the author I have the privilege of introducing you today really went through this journey, um, and I feel really grateful to say some of this journey was with me, but really went through this journey of figuring out what this book wanted to be. And I think it, I know it surprised me, and I think it surprised her. So (laughs) I'm really happy to welcome Jen McRobbie. She is the author of Why Is She Acting So Weird? A Guide to Cultivating Closeness When a Friend is in Crisis. So hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just start off by talking about why is she acting so weird? What is this book about and who is it for? Okay, so why is she acting so weird is for the person who has ever tried to help a friend or is thinking about helping a friend and doesn't know what to do. And it's written specifically for people in crisis, but I've gotten a lot of really great feedback about the book that it's good for all friendships. And um, when one friend faces sort of a major life crisis, and we're talking cancer, um, divorce, job loss, uh, death of a child, um, often our friends have no idea what to do. And so I put it into a nice little compact book for everyone. Yeah. And I think what's so powerful about that is like there's so many books on like romantic relationships and like what to do in that. But friendship is such an important part of our life, but there's not a lot of, like most people don't go to counseling with a friend. Like there's family counseling, nobody has friend counseling. Like there are tons of, um, you know, there are tons of books and programs you can buy if you're having trouble in your relationship or even with maybe with your, your mom or your family of origin or definitely with your kids. But like, I feel like friendship is so important, but it's this hugely kind of, I don't know, underserved area, don't you think? I, I do think so. And when I was doing research, 
um, about sort of this topic of friendship and, and how we can be good friends, I realized that a lot of the books out there are books that help us learn to get friends, but they yeah. don't help us learn to keep friends. And so I really think my book, uh, you know, I, I tried to write it from the perspective of how you can maintain your friendships and, you know, maybe even grow some new ones at the same time. Um, but to fill that gap in sort of the book knowledge of how do we maintain our friendships? How can we be the good friends that we really want to be? Right. It's almost like it should, it should be easy. Like if your friend's in crisis, bring them a casserole and that should <laughs> You know, that should take care of it or, you know, offer to give them a ride to the doctors or something. And that should be enough. Right. And and often, and the whole reason this book is titled, Why Is She Acting So Weird?, is that when we're in a crisis, all of a sudden those regular things that we would normally do for our friends, they don't seem adequate. And so we Mm -hmm. start to think to ourselves, oh, my gosh, my friend is really acting weird you know, how how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? How am I going to help her? And often we end up doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you don't want to do something wrong or you don't want to make it worse or say the wrong thing or w- complicate it when they're having such a hard time. And then, right. <laughs> right. And if you're on the other side, if you're the one in the crisis, you're thinking, why is my friend acting so weird? You know, normally she'd just come over and talk to me and God, she's acting like, you know, I have a, you know, a tumor growing out of my face and she can't even look at me. <laughs> and so right. hopefully that's not your crisis, but if it is, you know, that might explain it. But um, ordinarily, you know, nobody knows what to do. And so I found myself in that position, as you know, and um, I wanted to share what I learned. And that's really what this book is about. I love that. So Why Is She Acting So Weird is available on Amazon. You can also go to jenmcrobbie.com, and there are two N's in Jen. So J-E-N-N-M-C-R-O-B-B-I-E, jenmcrobbie.com. You can learn more about Jen. Jen, let's start off by talking about what you wish you knew before you wrote your book. (laughs) I wish I had known how quickly it was going to go once I started writing. And I wish I had known that I didn't need to fear what was going to come out of me because there there was mm. a lot of fear, particularly once I settled on this topic, there was a lot of fear that I was telling someone else's story, that I wasn't telling mm. my story. And so I worried about, oh, you know, what's, Amy going to think when I tell this one thing that happened between us and what is Craig, my husband going to think when I talk about how um, it felt to watch him struggle with my crisis. And so I, I wish I had known that I have it in me to tell a story from my own perspective and that I don't need to worry about what other people think when I'm telling it from my voice. Hmm. Wow. And what do you think it was that got you through that? Well, you were a very big (laughs) part of that. I'm not going to lie. But I think what got me through it was first finding the topic um, and finding the topic um, that was important to me, which was maintaining friendships, you know, like I talked about earlier, and realizing that as I'm coming from that place of wanting to help, 
that servant's heart, as as you have called it. Um, but by coming from that place, people will understand, even if they're upset, people will understand where I'm coming from and why my message is important. And so mm-hmm. I sort of had to just tamp down some of that fear and realize that my intent is to help and um, just rely on that intent to carry me through getting it all out on paper. Yeah. So uh, this is obviously nobody nobody could project this, but if you didn't have uh, if you didn't have a book coach and a publishing team, if you didn't have the support you had, and you were like most authors who are trying to do it on your own, how do you think that particular struggle of you know? telling other people's stories. How do you think that would have gotten resolved? Um, I think I probably would have, it definitely would have been resolved because this was a really important topic to me. And I, I had to realize that you can't share information with people without telling a story. And that when you're telling a story, it it necessarily involves people. And so I think had I been doing this on my own, it just probably would have taken me a little longer to get to that point of understanding that it's okay to get the story out. And then you can go back and look at it later and decide whether or not you're going to hurt somebody so badly by telling a story that you want to take it out or change it. Or whatever. I mean, I think a, a really good piece of advice that you gave me during this process, at least in the beginning of writing, was that just get it all out, Jen. Get it all out, everything that needs to be written, and we will go back and edit it later. Right. So, you know, one of the things that you said helped you, and, and what I see happen is that people end up, because of questions like that one, they end up in a spin cycle and they don't end up finishing. And so one of the things that you said helped get you through that was understanding the purpose of the book. So let's talk about how you picked this topic exactly. Okay. So when I decided to write a book, I thought I was going to write a memoir. So um, the basis of my crisis uh, for the people listening was um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 38. And my life was immediately thrown into crisis management, as you would imagine. And as I was thinking about the message that I wanted to share with everyone from the the messages that I had learned from that experience, I thought it was going to be in memoir format. So to prepare, I basically started writing a timeline of my life that was filled with stories. And it it was just, you know, single sentences of of little stories um, that I have to tell about things that happened to me. And I didn't really concentrate on whether they were worthy or not. I just sort of wrote a long list as close to chronological order as I could. And the only reason I did it in chronological order is because I like that. <laughs> because it it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it it doesn't offend my sense of order, you know, that way. So I, did, I just did, did it that way. Did it start in chronological order or did it start with you have the stories and then you put them into chronological order? It actually started in chrono- chronological order. That's how you thought through it. Okay. <laughs> yes, cool. that's, yeah, I kind of thought through, I was thinking through my life and sort of what had brought me to that exact moment where I was sitting in front of my computer typing out this chronological list of stories. 
And so I had that list. And then when I stepped back and looked at that list, I actually found out that a lot of the stories that I wanted to tell were not about me. They were about my friendships. So, so they were about me. They were about how I interacted with other people. Um, and then that's when the topic sort of began to take form in my head. I realized that, you know, friendships were such a crucial relationship in my entire life, not just during crisis that that was something that was really important to me and that I really wanted to share with people. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, so you so you focused on the friendship piece of it and then did you know did you envision it as completed? Did you know where you were going with it? You knew you were going to talk about the aspects of friendship during a crisis. But what did you know and what did you have to sort of go with the go with the flow, go with the river of your book journey on? <laughs> so what I knew I was going to do is tell people about how crappy people were <laughs> during my crisis. <laughs> What's the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm going to tell everybody all of the stories that leave people's mouths agape, you know. What I didn't know <laughs> was that in order to tell those stories, I actually needed to be um, much more gentle with the topic. And I ended up doing a lot more soul searching about my role in those stories um, than I had imagined that I would. So, you know, it, it's almost like I I was looking at the topic from the outside in, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm going to tell people how to be a good friend. But then as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh, man, there were a lot of times where I wasn't a good friend. And then I would realize that I needed to tell that story because that's where my reader was sitting, Right. You know, feeling like they're not a good friend. So that 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 definitely came with the flow. I had no idea that was going to come out <laughs> in the book. Um, it was very rough and scary, but I am so so glad um, with how it turned out. So you said that um, you you said that one of the things you wish you knew before you wrote your book was uh, how how fast it could go. Um, and I know that you kind of probably expected your book to take even longer to write, but once you got it, it was right there for you. So let's talk about um, other books that you may have tried to write and what you think <laughs> the difference is. Because I know m- most people have multiple multiple manuscripts, most of, multiple books, even if it's only in their head. Um, right. But they thought, like, oh, I'm going to write this book or I'm going to write that book, and then they don't do it. So what's the difference between a book you finish and a book you think about? Well, I have, um, for frame of reference, three partial manuscripts sitting on my computer right now, um, labeled 2007, 2008, and 2011. So I've tried this for many, many years before I was successful at it. Um, And what's interesting is all of those partial manuscripts are like fiction slash sci-fi novels. And when I think about the difference between those book, those manuscripts and my book, the difference is not just the genre. The difference is where my heart is. So my other manuscripts, you know, were being written from, oh, well, this would be interesting, and I think other people might like to read it. But when I wrote Why Is She Acting So Weird, that 
that's my heart on paper. You know, that that's what a message I really feel strongly about sharing. But what I hear, right, like your heart, because when we're making a, a, a I always talk about pottery. I don't know why. I've never done any pottery. But <laughs> if you're making like a, a bowl in pottery class, that's your heart in some ways. Like it's something like you're doing. If you're building a, you know, bunk beds in your kid's room, like that's your heart. That's something you're doing. But I think the difference and, you know, tell me where I'm wrong here, but I think the difference is not just about your heart, but about your reader's heart and about that servant leadership, about serving your reader. And not that entertainment isn't a form of service, but when Agreed. you're right, do you know what I'm saying? No, I know exactly what you're saying. And, 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 and I think you're right. And I think that's what I, what I'm trying to say is that when you are, because, you know, like you said, people that write fiction and science fiction, I mean, my entire bookshelf is filled with fiction and science fiction, and, and many of those books have helped me so much right. over the years that I don't want to say that like self-help is the only thing where you can get value out of, um, because I have ma- major value out of um, other genres. But for me personally, when I was writing this book, I needed to write um, the book that I needed the catharsis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so for me, where all of my emotion, sort of my personalness was tied up, it was tied up in my friends and my friendships and how they had changed since my crisis. And so putting that on paper was my way of bringing that catharsis sort of to the forefront for me. And I think that same process can happen regardless of your topic and your genre. You know, it is what message you have inside of you to tell people and whether you choose to tell that, you know, in a children's book or in a sci-fi novel or in a self-help book, um, it doesn't really matter what the genre is. Totally. I think that's so true. So were there places in your in the writing part of your journey where you got stuck, didn't know what you wanted to write, maybe had writer's block, um, or things that a lot of times writer's block shows up as, you know, um, medical things or kid things or your mother-in-law needs you to do something. So a lot of times busy shows up that taking us <laughs> away from our books, but that busy is really a, a kind of a form of writer's block or holding back from what's possible. Did that happen to you during your process? Oh, yeah. Almost every time I sat down in the beginning, um, I would sit down at the computer during I was making writing my job. I would have it blocked time on my calendar and I would sit down to write and I'd start thinking about all of the other things that I needed to get done. I needed to get done laundry. I needed to organize my kids' rooms. I needed to you know, vacuum the living room. I needed to, you name it, I would come up with sort of ridiculous things that I needed to do <laughs> instead of write. And so, uh, so, so what did you do? So um, sometimes... I would just white knuckle it through and I would try to just get some writing on paper. And once I started writing, it would begin to flow sometimes when I did that. 
But what ended up being most successful for me um, was when my mind would wander, I would just stop writing and go do whatever my mind had wandered to. And um, I was speaking the other day to some people about how procrastination can actually be a message. And I told them this story about my book and how um, when I was thinking about procrastinating, guess how many words I was writing? Like Zippo. <laughs> right? Nothing. My, I can right. guess that. Exactly. But so when when I was actually procrastinating, i.e., you know, doing the the thing I had been thinking about, like, let's say I'm folding laundry. The interesting thing is my mind would naturally go to the book. And so I would sort of, you know, outline in my head the stories that I wanted to tell or I was thinking about what I wanted to say. And then once I was done folding the laundry, I was like, wow, I am ready to write. And I would sit down and it would be blazing fast. And so I would get, you know, a chapter done in a third of the time that it would have taken me to white knuckle it through. Mm. So giving into that procrastination in, in many times was the best thing I could have done. Okay, so how did you figure that out? You told me to. <laughs> but <laughs> Because really, for most people, that is the most terrifying thing. It feels like if you're on a diet and you give in to that cookie or that brownie that's on the plate in the office kitchen or something, like it feels like, well, that's the end of the day. Like that's yes. a slippery slope. Now I'm never going to get back to my book. It's just ter- it's a terrifying idea. So sitting there and beating yourself up in front of your computer and not writing actually in some ways feels safer. Yes, it does. It feels much safer. And, you know, it allows you those excuses to hide behind. Well, I didn't get my book done because, you know, I had <laughs> so much to do. I really needed to, you know, pluck my cat's you know, tail hair and, you know, I needed to go pick up those rocks that have been in my yard for 10 days, you know, and so it gives you excuses. But when you give into those excuses and sort of, you know, and and the advice you gave me and and this ended up working for me was, you know, set a timer for like 15 minutes and, and let yourself give into that procrastination for 15 minutes. And then at the end of that, sort of evaluate how you're feeling. And like I said, you know, after that 15 minutes, I'd come, for me, I'd have all of these ideas come up and I'd be ready to write. But there were certainly times where at the end of that 15 minutes, I was like, you know, I I don't think I have it in me today to tell the stories. But then I wasn't like beating myself up about it because I'd actually gotten something done at least. It might not be for the book, but I got something done that was on my list, like fold the laundry or, you know, do whatever. So I didn't feel like a failure that way. Right. Yeah, and what I say is um, that giving into that procrastination, there are two ways to do it. There's a way to do it where you feel like you're – you're quitting and you're failing your book. And there's a way to do it where it's like, this is working on my book. Like working on my book right now is spending 15 minutes doing the thing that's distracting me from my book. That's the most generous thing I can do for my book. Yes. And when you have that slightly different mindset, it's not even a dramatic, you still get to procrastinate. Like it's not even dramatic, but just changing it to this is the most 
kind thing I could do for my book right now yeah. is it feels is so powerful. It feels like eating that cookie and then saying, ah, now I'm going to go work out. And, and right. not not beating yourself up for it, but like seeing it as a reward. Mhm. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, let's talk about this interview going so fast. I wish we had a whole hour. But what <laughs> for you? Your book came out. When did your book come out? About four months ago. March. Yep. March 2015. March. Yay. Um. So, what are some of the best things to have happened to you since your book was released? Oh my gosh. So I've gotten so many notes from people that have basically left me in like a puddle of tears <laughs> because they've told me stories about how I have helped them be a better friend and um, how my book has helped them help someone. And so whenever someone tells me that my book changed the way they acted or helped them reach out to someone who is suffering, uh, I just, I'm pretty much on cloud nine forever and ever. And so that's probably the single best thing that comes out of writing a book is hearing people say that they like it, <laughs> right? And the other really great thing that's come out of that is I've been able to now use the book as a way to start spreading these messages that I have about friendship, about how to take care of ourselves um, more on a speaker circuit. And that's something that is I'm very passionate about. And so um, the book has helped me in both ways. They're both personally and um, in the business world. I love that. And is there anything that has surprised you about the process, things you thought would be different? You've wanted to write a book for a long time. So is there anything different about being an author that maybe you didn't expect? You know, there's a lot of pride in it. And mm. it sounds weird to say that because, you know, you assume that when you write a book that you're going to be sort of prideful about it. But, you know, I I had no idea just how much it was how good it was going to make me feel to have a piece of me a book with my name on it and my face on the back to have that out there in the world um that was that that is just it's very hard to put into words how great that is um and I think the other thing that that I that surprised me was learning that you need to have sort of your end goal in mind before you even start writing the book, you know, sort mm. of that I wanted to be a, a speaker, um, that I wanted to help people with their friendships, that, that I wanted to continue life coaching, um, you know, knowing those things before I even started writing helped me focus the, the topics, the, you know, individual stories in the book, um, and that it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> so we've only got about a minute or so left, but what advice would you give to someone who wants to write a book like, you know, like you were a year or two years or three years ago, but they haven't been able to finish it? What advice would you want to leave them with? So um, the first thing that I would say is if you've even thought about writing a book or if, you know, you, the heavens have aligned and you've started writing, then you are a writer. You need to stop telling yourself that you're not. Stop beating yourself up. You are a writer. And just because you haven't finished that book, you need. it doesn't mean that you're not a writer. But it might mean that the book isn't focused or it doesn't mean enough to you, that your heart's not in it. 
and that if you can find out what's in your heart, um, you will get that book out, and it might not be what you suspect it is. So figure out how to make your current manuscript mean something to you or write a different book, but either way, you can do that. Yeah, I think people don't like to hear that. They're like, no, but it is important to me. And the thing <laughs> is, if it really was, it would be done, right? That's right. That's right. And that's that's why I haven't written a memoir. Because in, at the end of the day, my story, uh, you know, my individual story, it was is not that important to me. What's important to me is, you know, sharing my relationships with, with everyone. And that's why this book got mm-hmm. finished. Right. Well, you can read this book. I know uh, almost everybody has a a friend who has faced a crisis or maybe you have faced a crisis and thought your friends acted like big jerks or didn't do (laughs) enough or tried to do too much and just drove you crazy or wanted an update every 15 minutes, which wanted made you relive all of everything you were going through. So uh, whether you've been on either side of a crisis as in crisis or someone going through it yourself, I know you will love Jen McRobbie's Why Is She Acting So Weird? A Guide to Cultivating Closeness When a Friend is in Crisis. You can find it on Amazon.com and you can learn more about Jen. Um, Bring her perhaps to speak to your group about friendships and books and the journey of going through a crisis. JenMcRobbie.com. It's J-E-N-N. M-C-R-O-B-B-I-E. Jen, thanks so much for being our guest today. It's been great having you. Thank you so much, Angela. It's been a pleasure. So we, uh, we will be back next week here on Book Journeys, changing the world one book at a time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.